Alrighty, hello listening audience. Thank you for coming back to podcast number three of the Cyber Warrior Princess. Yes, indeed. It's a bit of a joke there on that lead-in for those of you that listen to podcast number two. You know that I'm using a funny intonation on purpose as I'm now introducing this podcast. I'm not sure this was... As good an idea as I thought it was you said about five minutes you ago. You said I could intro this time. Oh, Beck. <laughs> okay. Just give it up. You have to let me finish. It's never now. happening again. I get to finish now. Here with us today, and also second doubting her decision to be here today, is <laughs> Catherine Brett Goldman, also known as Kate. Yeah. I believe, yes, two um, friends, and apparently now nine friends. Sorry about that. No worries. <laughs> so we're, we're going to rebrand this as the Kate, Vic, and Beck Kate, show. Vic, Beck, and Kate. Vic, Beck, and what? You should stop now. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, very delighted to have you with us today. So Kate is the CEO and founder of Cybermaniacs, the Cybermaniacs, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to let her do a bit of lead in as to how she happened to be lured, I mean invited, mm-hmm. to participate on the podcast here with us today. So yeah, over to you, Kate. Why are you here today? You asked me to be. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, not real person. I mean, darn it. <laughs> yes, we did ask you to be here today. <laughs> That's not really a curse word. That's a soft curse. That is a soft curse. Maybe the 1950s. <laughs> so, do, sorry, do I need to round you both up, please? Okay, fine. We're, we're going to be talking about security awareness today, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that is very close to my heart because, as someone who, let's face it, might not be as technical as most of the cybersecurity people out there, I will always use the get out clause and say, well, it's all about people. And we all hear this at conferences. People are the biggest vulnerability. So how do we reach out to people to protect themselves, to protect the businesses they work for, corporate environments, private public sector, et cetera, et cetera. So this is super interesting to me. Um, I am also... Oh, are we allowed to mention the M word? Which one? Like other, other brands of puppets are available. Are we allowed to mention Muppets? Yeah, you can mention them. Right, thank you. We should have checked that before we started. But I'm also a massive fan of Henson and the Muppets. So for me, Mm. what you do, Kate, is an incredibly exciting thing and potentially a very powerful thing. And I would love you to tell the listening public about it. Right. So um, Cybermaniacs is a new security awareness company. Um, We're trying to say that we're human-centric and data-driven, and and part of the human-centric aspect of what we're doing um, is using humor as one of the mechanisms to get that engagement and to get that, dare I say, enjoyment um, about learning about cybersecurity and making yourself harder to hack, helping people become that human firewall. So the puppets that we have, I hope everyone uh, checks them out on the website um, and on Vimeo, and we're also on Twitter too, but but they're just one way to kind of get employees' attention and to, I guess, pe- get people talking about it in a better way. Can, can we just butt in and say that we have two puppets staring at us right now? We do, we, we do. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit beyond excited and actually if if we had a contract the terms of my contract for this week would have been i'm not doing it unless the puppets are here she actually did send that to me in a message <laughs> and i can be quite threatening when i when She's i need to not, be yeah. not threatening in the 
Um, but would you like to tell us what these puppets' names are? Yeah, so we have uh, two of our, our crazy, fuzzy cast of characters here. We've got my personal favorite, Cyberinsky, who is a New Yorker, um, and sort of just tells it as it is. He's sort of brown and fuzzy, and you, I don't he know. There's a little like bit a of there's a little like Sopranos thing going on there yeah. too. Oh, I don't yeah. know, just a little bit. Bit of um, John Travolta as just, well. Well, before he lost all the hair, or at least he admitted oh, yeah. he lost all the hair. <laughs> I think he looks much better, so I'm I'm all up, I'm all for it. Uh, and then we also have Wanda Proxy, who is sort of right now our roving reporter character, and she's sort sassy. of she's sassy and fierce, and she's you know. Learning a lot about cybersecurity, so we're using. Are we all? Yeah, well, we're kind of using her as a mechanism to sort of ask a lot of good questions. And be like, well, why does that work, and how does it happen? So, so she's uh, she's fabulous. But yeah, I mean, it's awesome. It's you know, twenty plus years in the business for myself. And uh, when Kate and I first met, yeah. which was not that long ago, but when we first met, I was promptly excited for the very reasons that you had somehow managed to attach puppets to security awareness. <laughs> Because as I'm pretty sure I even told you then, I find security awareness uh, training extremely boring, having had to do it for a long time, but I felt that it's a necessary evil. Right. Um, But I, I, so Vic and I talked about this earlier, Vic is quite excited by security awareness training. I'm not, so I'm not necessarily excited about how it has been delivered traditionally. I'm excited Mm. about the fact that it still has potential impact. If you can get one person not to click on that phishing email if you can get one person not to overshare on social media then you've done your job you mm-hmm. know um yes we want to try and involve a lot more people than that one person but i would be really interested that to know to dig down a little bit into your boredom with it is it the content is it the delivery mechanism yeah i think so for me personally it was because going obviously way back i one of the very first jobs i i did i did security awareness training and because i felt i was a security professional (laughs) you know that um i i just wasn't excited by the content and for me in order to get excited about what i'm presenting about what i'm talking about what i'm training or teaching about you know Mm -hmm. I, i like to find the content enjoyable and talking for the 83rd time about why we don't click on links in emails and you know, I was just like ah, pulling my hair out by the roots yeah so yeah it's when you and I first spoke and you were talking about you know what you were doing the puppets what you do with the humor yeah obviously for me and for Vic which is part of why we do the show as well but humor is such a huge part you know yeah, absolutely of, of getting people to, to get drawn into something there's there's a lot of different layers to why well, why we felt it wasn't working and why we sat down and said well puppets like let's see let's see what we can do to try to change this paradigm and i do think that the the boredom or the 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 general the feeling of other right that mm. comes from most end users who might not be technical or might be domain specialists in one area but not necessarily cyber or technology and how you know if you're not actually getting into people's heads and you're not actually engaging with them then they're not learning so what does bad security awareness yeah. training look like to you? I think bad training in general pretty much looks the same. I think yeah. security awareness has its own unique flavor of the hackers and the hoodies. It's got its own flavor of a lot of um, prescriptive language and prescriptive in the negative sense. Yes. So it's a lot of don'ts, very little do's. Yes. Um, and then the do's are like, do keep yourself safe. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, ah. And it's like a wild west of people feel like they've been left hanging. So I think that's part of it. I think that it's the length of a lot of these videos. I think, you know, we, we took a look at it and we said there's three key things that have changed and require a completely new way of delivering training. 
as a thing, but also about how we deal with cyber and how we actually engage employees. So the first thing we looked at, we said, well, look, e-learning, it ain't shaking out like we thought it was going yeah, to. And right. at some point we all have to admit it. Right. And I think that's part of it is that, you know, um, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, e-learning HR bought into this and we're like, I think it's a bit digital. It's going to be cheap and we can train everybody. And then they put together these like monstrosities, this Frankenstein 40 minute slide deck of death. And they're narrated and they're cheesy and the graphics are bad and the pictures are awful. And then they don't change them. So you take the same ethics training year over year. And they're like, well, I wonder why no one enjoys it. It's yeah, like, what I used to do is figure out how to cheat the system. Yeah, much, yeah. So I would figure yeah. out what do I have to press or what do I have to click yeah. to get to the end to yeah. take the test? Because I'm the mentalities, you totally. see, and that's why none of us trust you. Then. <laughs> I don't even think yeah, that's, I and I don't even think that's hacker mentality because you know when I do polls, both informal, out speaking, and whatnot, and we've actually run a few kind of online surveys. We first started the company because I was just curious to see how people got around security training or what their level of pain was, and, and my thinking was I'd eventually put people into MRIs and show them cybersecurity awareness training <laughs> and see if there was a physical pain response um, to to going through some of this stuff so we looked there at it for me I think so. <laughs> like, like tomatoes when you pick yeah. them apparently they scream yeah oh, oh. Uh, yeah I didn't know that <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> creepy it's, it's a real news story check it out so <laughs> so so we've got the first level which was e-learning isn't delivering on the objectives yeah. right so um, not that digital training is necessarily bad because I think we're getting into a better place where it's like interactive modules and being able to customize it, personalize and um, being able to deliver micro content. So that that's evolving, but the general, here's a slide deck and I'm going to just narrate it and call that training. I think that's, that's dead. And there's an unfortunate intersection, isn't there between online training and compliance that if it's something you have to do, mm -hmm then it's immediately not as interesting and mm -hmm. it becomes a, a click-through well, yeah, exercise boxes, yeah. with yeah the multiple-choice test at yeah, the end. Exactly. Yeah, how many of these can I guess and get through? But one of the things that I love, and, and yeah. stop me if you're not going to talk in depth about this, but is the data side of it. Like, yeah. I absolutely love the data yeah, side. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we should dive into that too. The, yeah. So we said the three things that aren't working, one is e-learning fundamentally, the way it's been delivered before is kind of broken. And so we did a lot of investigations into LMSs and backends and learning record stores and using different, you know, content types and measuring. So it's like, we've got this whole thing we we're looking at there. But the second thing we looked at and we thought fundamentally how to drive the way we put this together. So this is even pre-puppets. This is pre-humor was that the workforce itself is changing. The way we work is changing. That, that means the perimeter too, but also um, the relationship we have at work. So it's like we have a lot of contractors and there's a gig economy and right. there is um, part-time and working from home and working from coffee shops and from hotels. And so when we looked at the work, what work is, the future of work, duh, duh, we went, that, okay, so that doesn't work and now that doesn't yeah. work. So those two things that are fundamentally broken. And the third thing we looked at and we really were like, oh Lord, is that digital skills are short-lived because of technology advancement and the, the way that hockey stick is going and the cyber threat landscape is you know evolving at pace due to that and the fact that cyber crime has become more organized and is actually you know becoming faster in and of itself so we looked at these two factors it's went massive gap. it's a massive gap so we said 40 minutes slide deck that bores people that doesn't relevant to everybody in your workforce that doesn't even address where danger is actually happening it once a year 
And we wonder why we're falling behind. And we wonder why right. we're falling behind. <laughs> right. and, and those are yeah. the things we kind of put together as the problem set saying, how do we deliver something that is different? And, and I actually have a bone to pick because you, you use one of my, my bugabear sentences at the beginning where you say human people at conferences say, so it wasn't actually here, but people at conferences say that the humans are the weakest link. And I really disagree with the way we're phrasing that because I think humans can be your strongest asset. Oh, absolutely. But the you know, only way but you we do don't that, do it. But yeah, the only way we do it. That is through culture. And uh, one of the things that really has annoyed me over the last few years is mm. that we um, have tried to apply solely technical fixes mm. to these problems, and they're mm. social problems. They're about well, social vulnerabilities, organizational vulnerabilities. They're not, yeah. um, you can't just install a piece of AV software and have a firewall and think you're not going to have any problems. And Absolutely. We, we, we've learned that well, time and again. humans collecting email and browsing <laughs> on the other end. <laughs> well, that, that, AI is going to be another conversation. I think. Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> But it's like we do, I mean, look, if you've got a really big hammer, everything looks like a nail. And we in cyber, you know, I'd say 99.9% of us are technologists. I'm probably that 0.001 that's that's not um, grown up in that space. But I think that that's part of the challenge. We're like, well, we can just have another layer of security or another layer of monitoring or right. another log around yeah. that. And I do think that there is some val- there is value to that. So I'm not saying don't do user behavior analytics. You have to have layers you to some extent. You have to do that. But yeah. thinking that you're monitoring keystrokes and you're looking for behavioral patterns isn't the same thing as saying, how do you get ahead of yeah. the behavioral pattern and change it? People don't change because of, you know, they're being monitored. Well, they do change because of being monitored. But, <laughs> but, but they don't change because of that monitoring software. They change because you've given them something to change for. They change because of value alignment. They change because of culture. They change because of the way you change human behavior. And none of that's done through software. And, and people have done some really interesting experiments, I think, with incentivization. So if you think about exactly. some of the big U.S. tech companies... They do Hacktober. Yep. You yep. win prizes and T-shirts if yep. you spot the, pass- the password that's yep. out in the wild on the internet and things like that. Totally. What do you think about those kinds of initiatives? Well, I, yeah. Sorry, gamification no. as well. Yeah, yeah right. There's been a huge surge of gamification of like literally everything. And if I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, and if I'm gonna like put a bit of a, a a wrench into gamification, I really love it and I think it's great. But I also think that if you just put badges on top of a crappy training system, <laughs> people are gonna be like. Right. And so it's sort of like, how do you gamify things that it actually incentivizes and actually gets people going? And I think that you can incentivize in teeny little ways and you can incentivize in really big ways. So we're, we're trying to, we're playing around with a bunch of different ways to do that. But for me, um, People are incentivized by competency, um, so feeling like they're the, 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 the top of the leaderboard uh, and that competition, like I know a lot. So, so mm-hmm. that, um, they're they're motivated by social incentives, right? And then they're also motivated by physical incentives. Yeah. So this is why a digital badge only gets you so far. 100%. And if you don't back up those digital badges with something else, then that's the problem. So we've put in um, a swag system yeah. into the gamification on our platform. So we have games, and then we have badges and levels and. Yeah. Prizes. And we run some as little internal competitions, and then we're going to try to run some between our uh, clients to actually set things up. Like the month of October, it's company A versus company B. You might not even know what the other company is, right? So there will be anonymity, but at the end, someone's going to win. But then 
we can you can connect your points to prizes. You can connect it to a coffee mug, or if you get really good, maybe it's an Amazon gift card, right? So maybe you could try to make it real. I love the, the competing companies thing, right? Yeah. So obviously, I work at Digital Shadows. Yeah. Uh, you get us up against our competition. I swear to God, right. I'll never see people train harder. Yeah. <laughs> but you can right. do that equally in retail, can't you? Absolutely. You know, if, if, it, if one particular platform is yeah. seen to be more yeah. security aware than another, then that's that's yeah. going to affect their branding, oh, their absolutely. reputation, and being fun. able to put something together. You know, the one thing about adult learning and the one thing about you know cyber skills is that you have to put it into practice. I can't teach you just by telling you how to do something. You actually have to install yes. it or you actually have to know. Have to and so if we're able to kind of mimic a capture the flag and do it against yeah. two companies, but ba- really simple, but break it down so that it's a couple different things that happen over a couple different weeks. It's, you know, we've just been running very basic trivia challenges at a couple of companies, but it's amazing that People get really excited. They're like, have you heard about the trivia challenge with the puppets? You have to do this. We have to do this. We have to do this. And then the winners come out and they all get swag. It's outside of the mundane, right? So back to my comment about the boring aspect to, you know, this whole thing. To me, that's what was just so slow, so stale, so boring with the way it was traditionally taught. And it's so fascinating to bring in the excitement and the vigor around the learning style and to make it something that people are like... Yes, I want to learn about this. But it's, and for me, and I appreciate that because I think that that's really great for, you know, looking at it from a holistic perspective, employee engagement is at an all time low, Mm. right? It's Pew just came out with some stuff and Harvard Business Review was quoting it. And I'm going to forget the actual link. Maybe we could put it in the podcast notes when we're done. I'll go find that link. But it's, you know, it's in the low 30s. And it's been hovering there for a few years. And so I think that, you know, people are saying it's a crisis of the workplace. It's a crisis of the changing nature of work. I'm like, yeah, yeah, fourth industrial revolution, all this stuff is going on. But my, my kind of thinking is that as cyber leaders, just because we're in IT doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility to be a part of that solution. Why can't everything be about employee engagement? And so boredom is anti engagement. Yes. Right. So it's sort of like these little competitions, making people feel like they're protecting themselves and protecting the company. And we value you doing that. We appreciate you doing that. Like that's all part of good leadership and, and, good corporate engagement and and digging down into what you were saying earlier about um the changing demographic of the employee population right i noticed that you know you're really focused on short short format video yep as opposed to the 14 minute slide deck etc how's that working out and and what is what are the challenges of trying to get a ton of information into a very, very small video, yeah. or are you just breaking it up into bite-sized pieces? So there's a couple layers to that, which is, yeah, when you do short video, you really have to think about what content you need in there. When we went into beta, we had videos anywhere from three and a half to five and a half minutes. So I knew I needed to be short, but I was like, yeah, three and a half should be fine. And what came back from <laughs> Loads our, of time. Yeah, right? It like forever. <laughs> um, and even writing those scripts and trying to get the information even into the short uh, human-based training videos we have where it's just someone talking to the camera, that was really hard. We're like, well, how did we distill down fishing into two and a half minutes, right? Yeah. Oh my God. But, but what we came back with was the, the, those other videos were too long. People were dropping off. So we measured through data, right? We measured the drop off rate. We watched what everyone was watching and we were like, somewhere around two and a half minutes, Mm -hmm. regardless of how entertaining or, you know, what puppet was getting hit on the head with a frying pan. There was a, there was a drop. I like those. I like a good puppet being hit with a frying pan, (laughs) but there was a drop off rate. So we said, well, why is this happening? We went back and we got the feedback, you know, we're trying to work in an agile way. We got all the feedback. We were like, okay, so we've really got to get it to like two minutes, two and a half max. Um, and then we really had to think about the fact that we are building 
um, over time. So mm. this is very much cyber maniacs. Isn't here are some courses. Good luck. Cyber maniacs is continual learning and it's done on a subscription model. So it's being able to drip feed all these little tiny videos and courses and make it about three different levels of training. So we have courses, which are short videos and snappy. And then we have actually the majority of the content we're building is autonomous. Right. So it is like, if you're going to teach yourself cooking or I want to learn more about music or whatever it is, like you would go explore and you'd go watch some videos and read some blogs and check out some stats and read an infographic. So that's what we're creating kind of in that middle with some checklists and how to guides. So people can actually, we can walk them through the baby steps that are needed without making them eat the elephant. Mm -hmm. And then we have the nudge and the mm -hmm. nudge content we're doing is actually shorter than two and a half minutes because this is where, and you were saying the people and the demographics that the we, youngsters, we are the young people, memeings. they watch 30 so, second videos and that's it, isn't well, it? Well, we're getting them on shorter stuff. We're getting them on memes. Nice. So we're, we've got I cyber memes. Yeah, I love a good But I'm not young. But it, <laughs> you're young at heart, darling. I am. Yeah. I am indeed. But that's, so that's what we're trying to do is saying like, look, we're going to get you, you might have a two and a half minute training video with a little quick quiz where you have to do a card sort. I hate multiple mm -hmm. choice, right? Card sort. And then once the, we know that you've taken that course a week later, a meme is going to show up in your Slack channel. And then two weeks later, nice. we're going to remind you that you didn't do the checklist. And then a week later, we're going to remind you again, you didn't do the checklist and we're probably going to call you. And then a name. puppet comes in and with a hammer. And then a puppet will come in with a hammer. If you've seen the frying pan routine, the hammer's going to be a surprise. True. So, so, well, yeah. so you've got me thinking, yeah. I, I, the big philosophical questions about how you influence human behavior, yeah. carrot or stick? I think, it has, I, think, <laughs> I think it has to be a little bit of both. I'm much more a fan of a carrot because I do think that people will change. But when people say carrots, they're always like, if you do this, we'll give you a $50 gift card. It's like, that's not no, really no, a carrot. No an hour's worth of free babysitting. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about <laughs> Incentivization <laughs> stuff that's actually important to you and will have an impact. But you've got it. So Vic, that's it. That's it's, it's what's important to you. You have to align the motivation theory and you have to align the nudges and you have to align all the messages around behavior change to their personal values. Yeah. So this is one of the things you're saying, you know, it's all technical. This is the way that, you know, that we've been addressing the security awareness problem. And that, this is what I get so excited about this because if you don't understand who your people are yeah. and what their behaviors are and maybe why they're having those behaviors, some of it might be technologically induced, right? Because if you've given them a system that takes 17 steps to get through, and they're going around the back channel, right? That's a that's a technically a desire path. <laughs> yeah. Where are those alternate no desire? Where are those alternate desire paths? And maybe you could talk about you know some cyber UX, how to reduce that a bit. But some of it also is just getting people to value risk reduction, getting them to value security in and of itself yeah. as a, as a something that is important to the company going forwards. And that's why we talk about creating a security aware, but also just a security based culture at your organization. Cause it's deeper than just training. Ooh. So by that token, and I'm not saying this is a good idea, there's all sorts of reasons why we might not do this, including, I don't know, human rights generally. But the most effective security environment might be one where the employees are subject to comprehensive behavioral profiling. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, it sounds like you've learned that somewhere. 
No, actually, it's my idea. I'm going to patent it now uh, so that if um, hostile regimes want to take my idea, they at least need to uh, I don't, give me a little bit of credit for it. It, it. It's To me, it's all in the application, but it's also in the trust, right? Which is, is saying that if I don't believe, so part of trust is, you know, are you competent and do you have the right, um, are we aligned in terms of um, integrity and, um, help me with the word here, um, intent. Thank you. Um, right. Yeah. And so I think no, that the intent, the intent is the, the big challenge, which is, so if you're going to do all this behavior profiling and it helps me be more personalized mm. and it helps me not waste my time doing training that I already know. So say you're going to, you know, align to my humor preference and you're going to align to the fact that I'm an executive and I'm busy and therefore you can tailor that content to me very right. specifically. But at the same point, you're not going to use that for any nefarious purposes and it, you know, has to have some sort of dead date on it. So it's a it. persona, isn't it? So you're creating... It's going to be a digital mm-hmm. twin in a way. So I've learned persona working on the vendor side because obviously we have yeah. personas that yeah. we try to figure yeah. out how we, you know, market to and talk to. And that's what you're talking about, yeah. isn't it? It's understanding the personas of the workforce so that you can help to tailor. Mm-hmm. But is that something then that with Cybermanics you guys will have that capability to do I'd like eventually? to get there. Yeah, I'd like to get there. I'd like to get to the point where we can personalize and we can... Um, automate some of this stuff along multiple different either psychological behavioral cultural challenges see i think that's amazing one of the sorry this just sprang to mind so we just had our weds event this week right women empowering diversity in startups good plug and back. thanks yeah you're welcome ladies my fellow co-founders of that um but one of the things that springs to mind is we talked a lot about different aspects to dni mm-hmm. and neurodiversity for example what is dni yes yeah, so diversity and inclusion thanks back it keeps me up on my use of acronyms so, um, <laughs> she was I'm feeling cop. quite pleased with myself. I told you she there. was bad cop. No matter what she says before every podcast, she's always bad cop. <laughs> I just can't help it. That was a bit of a cackle. I'm not going to lie. Back to Weds. Yeah. So what happened is um, we're talking about neurodiversity. And, and with the thought of that topic, one of the things that uh, Nicola Whiting, who had come along, hey, Nick, we'll talk to you soon. Um, but one of the things that had come up was the fact that, yeah, with different people interacting and learning in different ways. Yeah. The awesome thing about what they do is they're they're helping and assisting outside the box. Mm. So if you get to the point where you're looking at psychological makeup, mm. you're looking at these sort of personas or profiles or whatever you call mm. them, to me that sounds very encouraging for people that then sort of are outside of the box thinkers by the very na- you know sort of nature of who they are. I've never really been in the box, so I think that yeah, that definitely speaks to. I don't know actually who would want to say that they're in the box, but maybe I don't know. I, I have been in the box. I didn't like it. I used to shop at a store called The Box a long, long time ago. Does that count? I don't think we want to go any further. It was West Texas. There wasn't a lot of options out there. (laughs) (laughs) That would explain a lot. Um, That was a bit unkind. (laughs) Remind me to wind that back in next time. I do. I can. It's fine. It's all good. I have a tendency to be a bit unkind when I shouldn't really be. I, so we're talking about pattern analysis, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And, and you're saying that you're using kind of log analysis, really, to see uh, for levels of engagement what people are clicking through. That's and that's got, so that's got a really strong analogy, I think, in you know, security, mm-hmm. in log analysis of people's behaviours within the corporate environment. But what if you Why do they keep that? going into that folder, etc.? Yeah, what if et you cetera? take that data and you could somehow extrapolate that and then map that to the behaviours that you see, like in the sock, for example? Exactly. Yeah, oh. yeah exactly. You know, and I awesome. think that's, the, that's the, the $500 million question is... Yeah. 
can you do that? Could you do that in a real enough time so that you can either be slightly more predictive, right, based on different criteria, or that you can shorten that window between, you know, what is it, origin and identification? Well, so because if you can actually, ground, yeah, that's the holy grail. Yeah, how do I squeeze that down? And I think that 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 would be the the trick for us. But it's, so, that's that's you know, the even getting to where we are now is is been a long drawn out process of figuring out how do we measure, what do we measure, what are we able to measure at this level, and then you know, let's make sure there's value in, in all that before we start building on top of it. So so it's like I would want to make sure that 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 this from just a training perspective has the right the the, the chops mm-hmm. before we. You start like connecting it but to I've got I've crazy. got the script of a the cyber maniacs movie in my head now oh. where we've got an engineer working in a sock wait can I just say I like the fact that Kate just sort of went oh, oh. <laughs> but we've got a record that I came up with it <laughs> but she might she look like you might already be working I on this with, check I it out I sat with Kate a few weeks ago and listened to her literally spew ideas at me for about an hour and a half and at the end of it I was like Kate I think you've got a lot of ideas I think focus might be a challenge for you at this stage. So. Is this going to be a long podcast? Because I think we might need to warn the listeners at this point. So, um, I'll have a double scotch, please. Anyway, in my mind, amongst other things, like, you know, pictures of dogs and um, bottles of gin, uh, in my mind, I have a, a script now of the, the Cyber Maniacs movie mm. And the start is someone sat in a sock, a security operations centre for people who don't understand technical technical acronyms. Um, Is uh, he's there and he goes, "We've got a problem." Send in the puppets. Send in the puppets. (laughs) Action action music. Well, that's not really. That's more um, bossa nova. But look at the end of the day. If we're trying to say that we're trying to get into the employees' heads and and in a good way to to keep their brains firing, right? Because if 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 the neurons aren't firing, you're not learning. And if you're just reading text, then you've only got one center of the brain lit up. If you're watching videos with sound, you're getting three, four, five. If you're Mm -hmm. actually tying into something that's nostalgic or has an emotional connection, then you're tying into six or seven. So it's actually from a neurology standpoint, it's proven that things that are more engaging and fun and entertaining actually have deeper learning and getting people to characteristics. do things physically with their yeah. hands and, and, and yeah. click it. So, so all these things are kind of baked into it but at the end of the day it's like we're trying to get into people's heads and what is a better way to do that sending out a policy or a compliance email saying this is our backup policy yeah. or sending out a 30 second video where a puppet drops a laptop yeah I know what side of the fence I'm on I know what I'd rather watch <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is why all of these viral sort of uh, shows and, and snippets and everything yep. float about. Right? Yeah. Someone will send you the latest little snippet of, I don't know, some puppy carrying a baby crying. Oh, vice versa. But you know what I mean. <laughs> I was like, that would oh, be... Oh, I've got the wrong image. Totally <laughs> watch that. <laughs> well, and once it's there, it's there. That'll be four o'clock in the morning tomorrow. <laughs> but, but why is the puppy carrying the baby? Um, serious point. No, well, semi-serious point. Uh, no, which I've forgotten, actually. That's unfortunate. You, you see, I was distracted by the puppy. You did it again. But see, now I got in your brain. That's what the whole point was, mm-hmm. is how do you take things? And what's stuck in my head is, 
is the things that I get drawn to. I'm really embarrassed to admit this, but yeah, nostalgia, right? Yeah. So you show mm. me something that reminds me of, you know, a time when I was a kid. Yeah. You show me something. I've got three kids now. You show yeah. me something that pertains to a cute baby or, oh my God, a baby done some horrible poopy thing somewhere. You know, I'm just like laughing and thinking about the time my kid did something horrible. But then that sticks with you yeah. and you're like, must share with other people. Yeah. So yeah. And so there's a, fantastic. and there is research to back all this stuff up. And, you know, there's a reason marketing and advertising and we can leverage all of that. That that's been a you know multi-billion-dollar industry for for a very long time. So what are they doing that works? What are the measurements that they have that don't suck? What yes. are you know what are all the different things we can do? And it's sort of like yeah, tapping into your values. There was a was it a PNG commercial that was out during the last Olympics, right? And. Uh, it was showing moms and it was showing, you know, moms picking up kids from hockey practice and moms picking up the kid after they've fallen down or, you know, fallen off the bars or whatever. And of course it's all like music and, yeah. and then at the, then they show them washing the clothes and packing the bags and, you know, all the things that quote unquote moms do. Because it's not just moms that do that, we know, but um, they definitely knew who their their buying center they, they, they was. They know who goes, who goes grocery shopping <laughs> more. Um, and and then at the end, they showed the moms sitting and watching their kids compete in the Olympics, and then the kids like skied oh, over and gave them of a and sleds. Of, and I'm sitting there going like, yeah. I'm not even sporty, and yeah. I'm like. Oh. The guy in the Olympics who had the South African son who was the swimmer. Did you ever see this? It was the London. It was 2012. Mm. And they're in the... They're not in the swimming pool. They're in the swimming arena. And one of the BBC folks is interviewing him. And the dad is so overexcited that he became... And he was going, that's my son. And I love him so much. And he just became this massively popular figure. And that was kind of in early viral stages as well. I would have said 2012. We we didn't really do so much of that. But But we really really followed him. Not his son, necessarily. And what we're tapping into is people's different values. So if you're looking at it from a content creation standpoint, so we really think of things in terms of content, not in terms of training. Because training is only about learning objectives and knowledge acquisition and what can I get into your head. And I'm like, I need to change your behavior and I need to change your perception of security and your perception of risk. What is your risk really? People don't understand that. So it's like, I've remembered my serious points. Here we go. So how do we, how do we get into that? And I think that it's value driven. So it's like, you have to look at demographics. You have to look at the makeup of the company. You have to look at the culture of the company. And from there you can start pulling out things like, okay, look, you know, 95% of this company are parents with young kids. Therefore, the, the content I have that is young kid family oriented is going to resonate more yes. at that company. And, um, but Beck knows very well, and some of the listeners will know very well that I'm not a massive fan of scaremongering when it comes to cyber. No. Um, Fear, uncertainty, and doubt, otherwise known as FUD. FUD. There's another <laughs> great acronym. Um, and, uh, you know, when we're thinking about how we brand or, or the content creation piece. Yeah. Um, where do you stand on um, faceless guys in hoodies? We do have a hacker character. Um, they It has rotating hoodies and rotating accents to show the ubiquitous nature of hacking. Nice. And then we also have a, a, a hoodie that has pink hair coming yes. out of it okay, for a girl. So we have to change the gender. We have a, we have a female hacker. We've got a non-binary We've got a couple. as well. Well, well one, of the, um, one of the puppet characters that's coming in the next, um, the next month or so uh, is a young girl character. And she is teaching herself how to be an ethical hacker. So there's a lot of scripts that we're writing where she's like, move over bacon. Here comes Cicilline. You know, like she's 
she's like, like I've got this. Like, you know, boom, 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 boom. Did, did you have sizzling in this country? No. No. But that's, oh, that's for the American a, listeners. Oh, yeah. That's, American that's a little gift. Course. Sorry, Brits listening in. You've gotten a peek into American And you're now going to have to like Google it's all sizzling. Yeah, but talk about things Googleable. that stick in your head, right? It's awesome that I finally have a common joke with someone and a British person in the room has no idea what we're talking about. See how that feels? Yeah, well, you're welcome. But that's so coming back to it. So we do have, um, so we do have a hacker character. We use that rather sparingly and we do poke some good fun at it. So, um, for a lot of the videos, the hacker is sitting in a basement and there's all these lights blinking and there's pizza and jammy tarts and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> and it's a mess. But then the mom calls downstairs and like, nice. your chicken nuggets are ready. Perfect. <laughs> so we're, we're trying to post some, but the other thing is that I don't think that you can in, in cybersecurity right now, you cannot say we don't use fear there is no fear there's nothing to be afraid of because it'll just ain't true um but the other point is if you look at from an emotional curve from a storytelling perspective from what people can tolerate before they start to turn off because it's just too much for them psychologically you can use fear but it's best used in small doses in pointed ways and i try to use it as only a mechanism when we're describing what's going on right not what you should do and how you should change but but to, to for the whys and a lot of that, you know, when we go into our courses in cybercrime, we put those at the very beginning of the training. We do that because most people don't understand the scale and the scope oh, and the, uh-huh. like, yeah. are you kidding me? And so it's like, we, we actually say like, look, there's no way to spin this. There's no way to sugarcoat this. We're actually going to be serious right now talking about these three things, because if you don't understand how organized crime works, you're, you know, you don't have the motivation to then change your behaviors. But once we get into here's how you need to change, then we kick it up a notch in order to keep that equally inspiring. That, that sounds like what you're doing is you're demystifying it as well and you're making it accessible because I think one of the things yeah. the cybersecurity industry, and, and I don't mean particular companies, but what we all collectively have a tendency to do yeah. is make people feel like it's a bit beyond them. Yeah. But Whereas I, actually criminal groups are criminal groups. Yeah. Yeah. But I think sometimes we do that because for, from the media's perspective, for example, right, they're trying to create things to lure people in yeah. and people are, are naturally drawn to something that comes across as mysterious or magical or, you know, a bit sci-fi. Yeah. Sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. And I think that there is certainly a, a whole culture around, you know, the media presentation uh, of what we're working on. And that will time. almost certainly be another episode of the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. I, we literally won't be able to help ourselves. Um, so, final thoughts. I think um, we've we've had a great discussion about um, security awareness in general. I think it's been brilliant to hear from you, Kate, about. Thank you. Well, at any um, point you'd like you've to get across, going. Any, anything yeah. you'd like to, to leave our listeners with, our five, six, seven listeners now, what are we up to? <laughs> yeah, and that's just my family. Oh well, that's true. My mom only figured out that a podcast wasn't a video uh, this past week, so. She told me, she said, oh, I, I saw your podcast. I said, no, you listen to it, Mom. Oh, that's what I mean. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Great. Well, there you go. Good thing we're demystifying And at acronyms. some point, so I'm thinking that we could actually charge some of our dedicated listeners for a shout-out. I think that would be a, a fantastically unethical yeah, but potentially lucrative thing to then do. Then we could actually record in a real sound studio at some point. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We'll just say, so hey, Danny Dresner in Manchester. Danny will like that, actually. But, you know, I will now, Danny, be expecting 50 quid in the post, if you don't mind. <laughs> Because people will look up, look you up on Twitter and see all the amazing work that you're doing in um, capacity building and neurodiversity in Manchester. Um, 
Back to you, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to leave us with as a final thought? No, I guess I guess just, you know, for, for the people that are interested in security awareness, you know, feel free to check us out online and our Twitter feed. Um, we put a lot of information out there. We're publishing a bunch of white papers, best practices, Brilliant. things that people can do, even if you're not looking for an external program to come in and help you, but if you're just looking for the basics of, well, how do I take some of this thinking and apply it to what's going on at our company? You know, we're, 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 I'm more of the, I'm going to put it out there and share everything that we're doing. Mm. Um, um, plagiarism is sort of the highest compliment. And um, impact's most important, right? Well, if but impact is more important. Then, and so that's, yeah. that's it. You know, at the end of the day, I think that we've got so much work to do. And I think that the time frame for doing that work is really short. So I'm right. more interested in, in the call to arms and getting yeah. it out there and getting people thinking about this differently. Well, as we already mentioned, we're way behind in terms of having, you know, the, the workforce educated and the entire population educated mm, yeah. in terms of cybersecurity. And digital skills in general. So there's yeah. a there's a bigger game to be played. Yeah. Now, I want to also be clear because in case people do look you up, the yeah. website was The Cybermaniacs. The Cybermaniacs. Is it .com or .co.uk? Mm, .com. .com. And yeah. just to be clear, Cybermaniacs. Maniacs is what, Kate? I think it's a heavy metal Russian thrash band. Right. <laughs> so we're not saying that you shouldn't go just to Cybermaniacs. You know. Because if you are into just yeah, Russian thrash metal, bring, that's, you might yeah, want to. Bring a Russian dictionary with but, you. <laughs> we, were, we, we, we first... <laughs> When we first started, we had the brand, we had the logo, we were like, great, we were like, let's get all the handles and everything, and and um, people started to, to join the Twitter feed, and I was so excited, and I was like, this is great, I haven't even launched the brand yet, and people have already joined the Twitter feed, and it was all in Russian, and I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> so, can we have a selfie with the puppets Absolutely. Now? I it's think it's time to sign off, because... Thank you guys yeah. so much, this Thanks was so much coming. fun. Thanks so much for coming, Kate, yeah. that's been ace, and... Um, Oh, I w I'm going to go and cuddle Sai, if you don't mind. <laughs> that sounds so wrong. <laughs>